0: Welcome to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. I'm your host, Dana Monsi's licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. On this show, you'll learn how to listen to and trust your body instead of trying to control it. We'll dig into the healing power of nutrition from a non-diet, weight-inclusive, health at every size approach. My guests and I will guide you through how to heal from digestive issues and hormonal imbalances, all while making peace with food and your body without obsession or restriction. Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Real Talk with Dana podcast. Before we get started with our guest interview today, I have a very exciting announcement for you all, which you will see directly next week. So the podcast, as I've kind of been teasing over the last couple of weeks, is Evolving into its next Pokemon form. So, um, only millennials or parents of them will actually get that, but we are getting some fun and new updates around here. So, Christina Hoyt is going to be joining me as a co host of the podcast. We're getting a new name, a new cover art, new graphics, all of the new. So, like me, Christina is a non diet clinical nutritionist, but she specializes in working with clients with eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, and with new parents. Whereas I specialize in working with clients with GI conditions, adrenal fatigue, and hormonal imbalances, and binge eating. So it'll be fun to bring a new perspective to the table in our interviews with guests. And if you guys have been long-term listeners to the podcast, you've heard Christina before, and we always have fun chatting together. So what's not changing? I'm not going anywhere, so don't worry about that if you were. The podcast will still be releasing weekly episodes and having kick-ass guests and interviews about no BS, non-diet clinical nutrition, healing your relationship with food your body and exercise on the new wholehearted eating podcast peep the new name we're bringing the real talk no bs vibe still with tangible tools to get you officially out of the all or nothing mentality to learn to accept your body and how to untangle nutrition from diet and wellness culture. And I know y'all are going to love it. One thing I would recommend doing so it's super easy for you to find the show when the names does change is make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, whether you listen on Spotify or Stitcher or Overcast or the iTunes store or Apple podcast app, wherever you do, because if you do, you won't have to do any searching to find us. It'll just refresh on at the end of march beginning of april which is when we're going to be releasing our first new episode so you won't have to go searching for it anywhere if you're not subscribed what are you doing with your life? You will have to search for the Wholehearted Eating Podcast when it comes out. The show is going to be a mix of solo episodes with Christina and I and then interviews with guests with diverse skill sets who challenge the status quo of diet and wellness culture to work towards a more inclusive, safe environment for all bodies. Together, we will have conversations that will help you dig deeper to learn to embody wholehearted eating. But that's not happening until the beginning of April, so let's talk about this week. Spoiler alert, today's episode is actually not about gut health. It was supposed to be, but I had two different guests that had to cancel for some last-minute emergency situations. Everybody is fine, but this interview was supposed to come out a little bit later, but now it's just going to be coming out today, and we're going to go back to talking about burnout, which y'all know is one of my favorite topics. Our guest this week is Lopa van der Mersch, who is an Ayurvedic practitioner, a mother of two, sustainability advocate, TEDx speaker, and a recovering cult member. So her adventures have taken her around the world in search of health, spiritual fulfillment, and deep energy. Two years ago, she added a new chapter to her life story, the founder and CEO of Rasa, the adaptogenic coffee alternative, revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing how to manage burnout, the biggest myths about and the whitewashing of adaptogens, how biohacking trends take us away from our body's internal wisdom, and coffee and the adrenals and nervous system. And then last thing before we get started today, big thanks to Just Thrive Health for sponsoring today's episode and this month's episode. So use the code DANA, D-A-N-A, to grab 15% off research-backed gut health supplements at justthrivehealth.com. You have had quite a winding and complicated journey to get to where you are today. And I know you mentioned that you've had or you had a pretty rough year, specifically in 2015. So what happened then?
1: It was I call it my own personal 2020. Um, Once 2020 happened, I was like, oh, the world is having my 2015 in its own way. Um, I At the time, I was in what I now know to be a cult. um, That was also a legitimate spiritual tradition that was also very traumatizing for me. Um, So I left the cult. Um, A few weeks later, I had an emergency back surgery while I was five months pregnant with my first son. Um, Like five days after that, moved across the country as already planned. and then had a death in the family, then had my son via an emergency cesarean, had a huge falling out with my family. And, um, you know, and, and I had a baby to tend to and to wake me up at all hours. And um, it was, uh, it, it, my nervous system was really fried, um, just completely just shot from the whole experience of being in the cult for 18 months before that. And, um, all the kind of intensity of, of that few month run of, um, what the fuck is happening in my life right now?
0: <laughs> so how, how did you get into the cult in the first place? If you feel comfortable talking about it?
1: Sure. Sure. Um, so that, huh. You know it, there's there's always the question of like where where do you start that? Um, it starts with the some of the traditions of 1980s parenting. Um, you know, but like really, there, there were certain um, you know now being a parent myself, I look at very closely at some of the ways that I'm influencing my children one way or the other and some of the ways that we uh, speak to our kids that devalidates their experience and teaches them to outsource their perspective to an authority. Um, and their, their growth and their insight to an authority. So, um, you know, my, my parents are wonderful humans, and you know, I don't fault them for, for um, you know, the many ways that they absolutely did their best. Um, and um, and there were just things th- things that are very much the norm in the way that we often talk to children. A very small example is like, um, you know, they fall down, and you're like, you're okay. You know, they're crying, and you're like, no, you're okay, you're okay. And sometimes they're not, and like that little way that we kind of devalidate their experience can actually stem into some bigger things when you're when they're older. And there's there's a lot more that I could go into around that, but um, uh, the short of it is that I um, both have yearned for spiritual truth and expansion and enlightenment, whatever that is. Um, the definition for me changes over the years. Um, And, and also, um, had this sense of, you know, wanting an outside authority to kind of tell me what the world is and to tell me what is true and good and, um, help me grow beyond what I was able to grow into. And I got into one spiritual community, um, that, uh, also would absolutely qualify as a cult, but I did not find personally traumatizing. Um, and, uh. After some time, um, left that community for various reasons and got into another dynamic with a teacher that I um, did find very, very traumatizing. Um, but part of that also, um, I was the the way that I found her was through someone I was doing a panchakarma in India. Um, so I, part of my um, tradition and my studies and my practice uh, led me to Ayurveda and Ayurveda was a very healing force for me in terms of um, reclaiming my relationship to hunger and to healthy eating and to like really listening to my body. And it was very transformative for me in that. Um, And it was there that I met a woman who talked about this teacher in Bali. And um, I was just kind of captivated in that whole, in, in the dynamics that she talked about there. Um, the dynamics that at the you know now I'd look back and be like yeah that sounds a little messed up but at the time I was like that sounds great um, so um, yeah we just kind of you know I was I was set up for it in a way by by the first community that I was involved in and some of the teachings that I received in that context um, many of which I still think are valid and helpful teachings but also um, in the wrong kind of psychology I think that teacher was a very Against the idea of doing therapy, um, it was like if you still need to heal your mommy and daddy issues, then you're not, you know, ready for this kind of practice. Um, and so, yes, terrible, terrible. And now I realize, you know, healing mommy and daddy issues is actually a really essential thing. Still working on it. Um, so, um, and uh, and is actually a, a very powerful spiritual. Um, has powerful spirit, spiritual potential in and of itself, doing that, doing that healing of our attachment work and our, our attachment traumas and all of those kinds of things. So, um, that's, that's a little bit of a long convoluted way of how did I get into a cult? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for sharing that. So you mentioned a little bit about needing to heal, you know, your hunger and relationship with food and everything about that. So tell us about that part of your journey.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, was um, anorexic from age 16 to about 20 um, and bulimic overlapping um, from like 18 to 22 or something like that. And then I would say I was in healing and in process with the healing for several years after that as well. Um, and one of the things that I did as part of my my healing process um, there, there are many things I did, um, including like lying to therapists and like seeking healing but then not actually wanting it and you know that kind of thing. Um, and I was kind of determined to do it on my own, which I really don't recommend to others. I, I feel like I was pretty lucky to like largely get out of it on my own, get out of at least the behavior side of it. but um, the, the way that I did that ultimately was like, okay, I'm gonna you know at, at first I'd be like, okay, I'm never gonna binge and purge again ever. And obviously that didn't work. And then by the time it failed, then it was like two weeks later and I was like, oh shit, okay, start over. Um, and so finally I started doing it more like, okay, let's get through this week. No, that didn't work. Okay, let's get through today. Nope, couldn't get through breakfast. Okay, let's get through breakfast. And then I like just slowly built up. Okay, now let's get through lunch. Okay, like now let's get through dinner. And then it was like, now let's get through a full day. And so it's it was like the, the old adage of how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time um and but there was this um it was still in my mind and you know one, one of the things that i started to do was i was like okay if i'm going to be obsessed with food maybe i should really get into cooking and really get into nutrition and and in many ways that was a great way of turning an obsession into something that was healthy which i'm sure that you can probably guess where that also ended up which was anorexia. <laughs> um and getting very rigid around, you know, how I was doing things and um and counting calories as a way of feeling okay and as a way of like kind of modifying and modulating my relationship to my body. And um, and so there was even though the you would look at me and be like, oh, she looks perfectly healthy and she eats what she wants, and you know, or what there were many different ways that it still was manifesting in my mind. Um And I found that Ayurveda was a very helpful practice for me um, in terms of kind of coming back to this idea of actually genuinely nourishing ourselves. And, um, And I also found that even rigidly following an Ayurvedic approach activated some of that kind of mentality for me. And so it was like Ayurveda was like a little bit of a stepping off point towards what Um, I now understand to be, and I'm so glad it's out there in the world, but you know, the concept of intuitive eating Um, and, you know, now I find that like, I have no rules on food. There's no good food or bad food. My best friend was watching me the other day and she was like, wow, I really love how, you know, you make this incredibly nourishing breakfast and it's like really beautiful. And then, and then I, like, I totally saw you mainline Hershey syrup from the jar, like, like it's both isn't it I'm like yeah and like there's you know do I mainline Hershey syrup on a daily basis or even on um but but um having total freedom around food and that everything is okay except for things that are truly not good for my body gluten just doesn't work for my body um but um you know that that decision comes from within of respecting my body as opposed to um as opposed to like, oh, it's a bad food that I don't eat because it might make me bloated or it might make me this. Like, it's like, no, it's gonna give me terrible diarrhea for a full day. It's not worth it. Um, um, So um, yeah, it it was a long process of sort of like getting it out of my actions and then like eventually out of my mind and emotions so I could get to the place of really being in touch with my true hunger, my relationship to nourishment, Um, and food being like one of the sources of that nourishment, um, but also not all of it. And so, you know, and just having like, not having, like having an, I guess a healthy emotional connection to food as opposed to, um, you know, we tend to binge and purge on our emotions with in relation to food as well, I think in our culture
0: yeah (laughs) happens a lot in our culture right and not just with food with like a lot of other things too um so speaking of healing and different modalities and stuff you mentioned that after everything that happened in 2015 aka your personal 2020 right your nervous system was just completely shot so what was happening to your health then and what did you do to help pull yourself out of that hole
1: I am still pulling myself out of that hole. (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, what was happening then was uh, just an incredible amount of anxiety, panic attacks. Um, You know, my baby would wake me up in the night and then I wouldn't be able to fall back asleep for several hours. Often um, I'd like wake up into panic attacks in the night, sometimes waking up on my own without the baby into a panic attack and then be like, fuck, all right, well now the baby's gonna wake up any minute and I might as well, you know. and a uh, tremendous amount of irritability, um, you know, it's spikes of anger. It just was not, it was not the nervous system home that I was familiar with, um, you know, and I saw various therapists and things, and they were like, yeah, you know, your, your central nervous system has taken a massive hit this year. You, you really need to do some healing on it. So uh, I've done a lot of different therapies, and I, and I will say this is also part of my Origin story with my company and how I started Rasa, um, which was was so many moms drink coffee to get through early childhood. That's just kind of the fuel that many people are using. And um, you know, I've never been a huge coffee drinker because it's just a little bit too much for my system. But I was like, okay, I really do need something, so I'm just going to try. I'm not, I'm sleeping terribly. And the few times I drank coffee, it was just, you know, it it took my nervous system from an eight to a ten. It was just not not the right thing for me and so i went and tried all the coffee alternatives out there and none of them did all the things that i wanted so i worked with an herbalist and uh together we created a coffee alternative that would like really help calm the nervous system while also energizing um, using herbs from ayurveda and um, chinese medicine as well as western herbalism and um yeah so that was that was a really big part of at least helping me get through and the adaptogenic herbs in Rasa also help to strengthen your like and build resilience in your body's stress response. Um, so it it added it didn't solve those issues for me, and I think you know it's important. I, I think it's important to say like no product is going to solve any issues for us really, um, but you know things can help. Things can help, and it did help to give me a little bit of buffer, and I feel like it gave me. Uh, in a, in a big way, endurance to get through a really hard time. Um, And to be able to start a company, have two kids and um, be working on healing my nervous system and healing trauma, you know, throughout all this time, um, throughout these last five years. Um, So, you know, it's been, it's been a tremendous help for me. And like, when I look at what I've been able to accomplish in the last five years and it feels Herculean and I'm like, wow, I think this, there really is something to these herbs. <laughs> I know I'm <laughs> drinking my own Kool-Aid here, but I think it's working. Uh, so I, the thing that has been most helpful for me, though, in terms of healing my nervous system, is polyvagal work. Um, and um, you know, we did a lot of different therapy and had some amazing experience with various types of therapy and talk therapy. But it's it's the polyvagal work that's actually giving me a real relationship to my nervous system and its states and how it responds to the world and how to. Um, One of the kind of primary thinkers um, on polyvagal work right now, uh, Deb Dana is her name. She talks about befriending your nervous system. Um, And I really feel that in in this process of like, I'm actually like, you know, in the way that you get to know someone, you get to know their proclivities and what triggers them and what makes them feel safe and what makes them feel comfortable. You're doing the same thing for your nervous system as well and learning how to respond to your nervous system and take care of it. And, um, and then create an environment around you that where you feel safe and cared for. And so that has been the the most profound levels of, of healing that I've experienced throughout all of it. Not to say that the talk therapy also wasn't tremendously helpful in many ways too.
0: <laughs> what? Befriending your nervous system and allowing it to calm down rather than just shoving it into the ground in fight or flight mode all the time? What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, Um, so I definitely want to talk about adaptogens and herbs and everything like that and the different tools that we can use to help calm down the nervous system, especially if you're burned out, which it sounds like you were. But so when you're feeling burned out, can you tell people a little bit more about why regular coffee is not the best thing for you?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Basically coffee contributes to the burnout cycle. Um, so part of what happens, you know, there's, there's different ways to look at this, the energetic, the scientific, um, but part of what's going on when you're burned out is that in some way, shape or form, your adrenals are overtaxed and your adrenals are what are the kind of primary vocalizing organ of your stress response. So they're the ones that are telling your nervous system and your endocrine system, like, hey, we've got a stress issue. And if they're talking all the time, we've got a stress issue. We've had a stress issue for like months and months, but actually years now, we keep on having stress issues. What the fuck? It gets tired, you <laughs> know, it's like, I'm... And, and so, you know, part of what, what's happening in burnout in this, you know, there, there are many different manifestations of this um, from what is commonly known as adrenal fatigue, which is a little bit of a misnomer, but um, this for, you know, th- these intents and purposes can work, but it's really actually HPA access dysfunction Um, but that basically your stress response system gets too tired to continue to handle the stress. And what coffee does is it comes in and it gives your adrenals a little kick and says, hey, we need cortisol, let's go. And it jacks up your central nervous system. Um, And that's part of why you feel like you can really, you know, do the day and it's great. I've got it, I can do everything. It's extracting a little bit more from your nervous system to get through one day. This is, Chinese medicine has a saying that coffee borrows energy from tomorrow to fuel today. And so you're really just, um, and depending on where you're at with your energy and what kind of constitution you have, you know, coffee may impact you differently. But if you're in a burnout state, drinking coffee to get through is basically just building up your debt, the debt that your body is going to collect at some point in some way, shape or form. Um, And so... um, And not to mention, it also can impact circadian rhythms. It can mess with your natural cortisol flows. So our body naturally supplies its own cortisol. We have generally the biggest spike is actually in the morning, somewhere around nine o'clock in the morning. And then it kind of peters off throughout the day. And that's part of when and then melatonin starts to kick in, which is what um, activates our ability to sleep. Um, and where we're at our lowest point in the cortisol cycle. If you're drinking coffee every morning, then your body starts to also depend on that for its cortisol boost. And and then it might, it, it can also cause cortisol boost later in the day as well. If you're drinking coffee later in the day, or if your body's just like, wait, I got this hit of cortisol in the morning and I'm supposed to make my own. So I guess I'll make some in the afternoon too. And then you like get these cycles where you're like, now I'm wired and tired and I can't sleep. What the fuck is going on? Coffee can really um, wreak some havoc on your circadian rhythms and sleep is, you know, one of the primary medicines for burnout, for our nervous system, for, you know, it's just an absolutely essential way of taking care of ourselves. So you can go and, sure, you've done podcasts about that. Or many, many books have been written about how essential sleep is. So um, anything that is disturbing your sleep is also going to be not your friend, particularly when you're burned out.
0: Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is, so a lot of people will who are feeling burned out or they get to this tired and wired stage, they're still drinking coffee in the morning and their body's all wigged out the rest of the afternoon and then they can't fall asleep. They're like, oh, I'm going to take melatonin. But melatonin, when taken supplementally in large doses over a long period of time, which a lot of people become kind of reliant on, can act like a hormone right so if you're then supplementing melatonin all the time your body is an adaptation machine and it's like oh we don't need to waste raw materials making melatonin because you're already giving this to us every night so then when you try to stop taking melatonin your body's like well I thought you were gonna give this to us so we haven't been making this for a while so and then you can't sleep and then it's a whole vicious cycle Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Just Thrive. So building off of the theme for the show today, let's say you're feeling pretty burned out or stressed and at the end of your rope. Let's be honest, who isn't? The more deep in that burnout or stress hole that you're feeling, the more important it is to support your gut, the gut-brain axis, and your immune system, which can be down-regulated the longer your body is in a fight or flight state, even if you don't feel like it is. Plus, we all know what it feels like to be in a state of constant fight or flight and not digesting your food properly never feels good. So Just Thrive makes the first spore-based probiotic and antioxidant supplement available on the retail market that arrives 100% alive to your intestines. And their products have more clinical research than any other products on the market. They also make a prebiotic, which as you may now know, can be really helpful to support a healthy balance of bacteria in your intestines and for your entire microbiome. And their newest products are designed to help fortify the immune system with Ultimate IgG and Immunity Plus and the gut mucosal lining in Gut Fortify. And they can even provide some natural herbal and nutrient support for UTIs in UT123. So if you're interested in supporting your gut and your immune system, just go check out just Thrives gut supportive products, and don't forget to use the code Dana D A N A for fifteen percent off your order. Link will be in the show notes, and as always, make sure you are working with a licensed practitioner before you start taking any kind of new supplements.
1: Our, like our modern life and our modern existence is not, you know, is is already a burnout machine. So we're all kind of engaged in this cycle, and you know, I experience coffee to be like a tool of that machine. Like it's one of the things, and, and I want to say too, like, I'm, I'm not anti-coffee and we as a company are not anti-coffee. It's really about having a healthy relationship with coffee for your body. Um, we actually have a product that's mixed with coffee. Um, and I find it works a lot better for me for the herb, the herbs and the coffee mixed together just balances it out a lot. But, um, you know, th- the way so many of us are using coffee is—is is I actually liken it to hunger quite a bit. Like our our culture as a whole, you know, and this is a, a gross overgeneralization, and I'm so happy to see that there's more that is um, happening than just this. But there is a prevailing, um, uh, thought, yeah, narrative around um, you know, we're not in touch with our real hunger. We either overeat or we undereat and we're kind of outsourcing our relationship to our hunger. And the same thing happens with our energy as well. And I see, you know, like just as there's beginning to be this Renaissance around really taking care of our bodies in relation to hunger and in relation to desire, I think there's a a real correlation to with energy as well. Um, and so that we can get out of kind of binge and purge cycles with our energy as well, where we're like jacking ourselves up on coffee and then we crash on the weekends and just binge Netflix. And then, you know, so that we can kind of recoup a little bit and, you know, that in and of itself or the coffee and wine cycle is another, you know example of that coffee and alcohol. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that I think that, you know, it, it's so just like diet culture is so infused in so many layers of, of modern society. Um, coffee culture and overriding our body signals as relates to energy is so infused in our our society as well. Um, And I look forward to, and I believe that we are at the, um, at least, you know, Rasa and some other companies as well are kind of at the forefront of this renaissance around really tending to our energy as well.
0: Yes, I love it. It's like finally, right? Why did it <laughs> why did it take a global pandemic or like the entire world feeling burned out because even before the pandemic everybody was just stressed out the wazoo and like you said, our modern lifestyle is just the perfect storm or the perfect recipe to be burned out, right? So Um, in light of that, let's talk a little bit more about one of the things that we can add in in order to help with this, right? And one thing that you specialize in is adaptogens. So can you give people a little bit of a primer on what are adaptogens and why have they become so popular in the last few years?
1: Absolutely. Um, So adaptogens are a class of herbs, um, actually a class of substances, not just technically herbs. They also include mushrooms, as well as one uh, rock resin, um, which is quite an amazing adaptogen called Chilajit. Um It's a class of substances that, you know, at the at the most basic level, they help your body to adapt to stress um, and to adapt to your environment. So, the way that they do this is they actually mimic stress in the body, um, which I'm sure you know. Like people sometimes hear that and they're like, "Wait, I don't need anything that mimics stress. I have enough." Um, but um, they are a U-stressor, E-U-stressor. Like exercise is actually good stress for your body. These are actually like exercise for your body stress response. Um, So your body has two main pathways that it uses to communicate to your adrenals that you're under stress. Um, That is via your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is your HPA and your sympathoadrenal system, um, SAS. And so that's the endocrine system and the nervous system um, pathways for telling your adrenals, "Hey, we need that cortisol. There's a stress event here," and um, adaptogens work on those systems, basically strengthening them. They, it's like a little microdose of stress, um, so that they're like, "Oh, I'm lifting weights. Great, I'm getting stronger. Cool, I can handle this. This is great. All right, so give me some more," and so you, your your stress response system gets stronger, so that the little things end up not stressing you out quite as much. And we see this quite a bit, you know, in terms of people's reviews and stuff of us where they're like, wow, I'm just a little bit more patient with my kids and um <clears throat> a little more patient with my husband. I just, you know, the little things aren't getting to me quite as much. Um so adaptogens, um, at this point, you know, there's there's about 30 of them. And I think this is an important thing to note is that there are a lot of companies out there that I think um the wellness world is complicated. Um,
0: <laughs> you don't um, say. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's definitely they're trendy, right? So they, they, these are they're they're they've become a trendy thing. Um, they've been used in traditional cultures for hundreds, thousands of years. The term adaptation was actually um, developed in the 1940s by some Russian scientists who were doing studies on the, these herbs. Um, but they're. There's a, it's a scientific term, actually. It's not a marketing term, and it is being used more and more like a marketing term where people are like, oh, this is a great herb called an adaptogen, you can charge more for it. I don't know that that's what everybody's doing, but the truth is, is that these herbs tend to be quite expensive because they grow, part of why they have this capability and this response in our bodies is because they tend to grow in very extreme conditions. and they thrive there. So they are actually like p- the plant intelligence side is that these are plants that are thriving in stressful conditions. And so when we take that into our body, we get a little bit of that like, oh, here's how to thrive in stressful conditions, great. Um, which is not to say that you should continue to tolerate insanely stressful conditions. You need to use that little bit of buffer so you can actually make some changes in your life so to be a little bit less stressful, but that's a side note. Um, uh so they they do tend to be expensive because they grow in these more um, extreme environments they're more expensive to harvest often they require various types of processing to be most effective um, according to traditional usage and um so yeah there's a lot of companies out there that are like oh yeah i've heard turmeric is an adaptogen let's call turmeric an adaptogen. i've heard you know various other there there are many herbs that, that get mislabeled as adaptogens and um, and then the market will pay this amount because it's an adaptogen. Um, so it is it's it's different. We have an herbalist on staff. Um, we've herbal integrity has always been incredibly important to us, and it's very different to have a product that is um, created by an herbalist who has clinical you know experience in the world and tremendous amounts of study and understanding of these herbs. Being like okay how do we make something that's going to be really balanced it's going to really be as safe and nourishing and uplifting for as many people over a long period of time even if they drink 20 cups a day you know etc 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 um whereas like many companies i see out there are just like cool hey this one's trending you know like i get all these like adaptogenic research reports and like the market for blah blah, blah is really increasing and we anticipate it to be a bajillion dollars by 2024. Um, And then, you know, people read that are like, great, I'm gonna add that to my next product. Different mentality, (laughs) very different mentality. So um, we are actually working on putting out like the, here's the definitive, like these are the herbs that are scientifically classified as adaptogens. um, And here are the herbs that are often mislabeled as adaptogens, which doesn't make them any less amazing as herbs. It just means like, if I sold you something and told you it had CBD in it and it didn't, you'd be like, well, that kind of s- fucking sucks. Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> you know? that's called
1: lying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think I think a lot of people are actually ignorant because there is, because there's so much marketing hype and because a lot of people don't read scientific studies, um, you know, I think is part of it. Um, so, like, you know, we actually have somebody on our team who does a literature review before he formulates any product. That's, he does all of our formulation um and uh yeah that that, you don't often see that in a in a business kind of context so that's a little bit of a rant about specifically just be a smart consumer um do some research on like what are the core what are the the real adaptogens and um and you know be careful be careful who you buy from because some sometimes it is like hey trendy ingredients let's put them in there and that could have some unintended consequences if it's not um formulated pretty carefully
0: Right, exactly. Because I mean, er- so the, the clinical nutrition that I did, my program that I did for my master's, there's an entirely separate track to be an herbalist if you also want to be a nutritionist. So it's not like you can just like, oh, like, let me go to the garden and like pick a bunch of stuff and then, you know, put in supplement for him and start selling it, which is, not exactly what the wellness industry is doing, but it's basically giving the wellness industry treatment to these ancient remedies that have been used for you know thousands of years. So I think we're kind of like talking around this a little bit, what but what's really happening is these adaptogens are being whitewashed.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And whitewashed in the sense of being appropriated um, and whitewashed in the sense of um, and we, we call it adaptogen washing, too, because it's just like, oh, we'll just put the adaptogen term on it. Um, but, you know, the, it's, it's being extracted from its original context, um, often without respect for that original context and the wisdom that comes with that. And then, you know, and then there's, there's, there's tons of traditional um, wisdom around the uses of the, these herbs, even though, you know, in ancient Ayurveda, they didn't necessarily have the term adaptogen. It doesn't mean that they didn't understand how that they were, they were working in the body and particularly deep understanding of how to help it work best in the body and what context to use it and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, capitalism and colonial, like I, I like how you said wellness industry treatment, is it that's a really good, like the, it's basically like that's that's colonialism applied to health. Um, and colonialism applied to traditional indiz- indigenous wisdom, um, and then you know, make it trendy and you know put a nice brand on it. and you know there's there, there are a lot of complicated problems um, in, in that and and downstream unintended consequences, I think, um, not just for those of us who are taking these herbs into our body, but you know the cultures that these come from and the, um, the impacts that it has on on those
0: cultures. Right. And I feel like this could be an entire graduate level course. (laughs) So we could do hours and hours and hours about this. Um, But so in the same kind of trend, right, we think about the wellness industry is like always trying to, you know, have the next trendy thing. And what one thing that you talked about before is like we're constantly trying to outwit what we think our body signals are because God forbid, like our bodies can't be trusted. You know, like with diet culture tells you like you're hunger signals can't be trusted because you'll just, if you, God forbid, you listen to your hunger signals because, oh my God, you'll just gain weight. It was just the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to anyone. Right. And then with energy, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, you're a little bit tired in the morning instead of, oh, well, maybe we should slow down today. It's like, okay, I'm going to drink this nitro cold brew. And then I'm also going to add, you know, like CBD in it. And then we're going to biohack our way to everything. And there's. This whole trend of the last couple of years of like, oh, you have a slight problem or you want to, you know, quote, up level yourself in the wellness field, you need to biohack your way to health. So can you talk a little bit more about how these biohacking trends actually take us away from our body's internal wisdom? Oh, yes. With pleasure. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Yes. Um, (laughs) Let me go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. Let the ranting begin. Um. I mean, fundamentally, we're outsourcing our internal relationship, like the the most fundamental relationship that we have to our own body, to our own nervous system, and to the wisdom of nature, really, like we're, we are governed by biology, we are governed by nature. And what we are actually doing is my, okay, I, again, there's like nuance to all of this always, um, but I'm not saying that biohacking is the devil or that you shouldn't you know check your blood levels on certain things or anything like that obviously there are many instances where that actually can really serve something and so often what i see is like like take the sleep tracking kind of stuff you know for example like you know using that for a period can help you get more awareness about quality of sleep and how to improve that and all of that great but often i the way i see it used is like this kind of relationship to like did I, I, oh, I know I didn't get a good sleep last night because my watch says that I didn't, Um, or the Fitbit kind of phenomenon, like, oh, I know I didn't move my body enough because I didn't take enough steps. You know, like you should be able to feel that in your body. And the more that we outsource to technology, the more that we're actually subjugating and disassociating from the most important technology and the most advanced technology there is, which is nature itself. And, um, you know, there are many, many, different ways that people do this, like calorie counting is another one, like, you know, and that was, you know, a favorite of mine for a while, which was like, I I know that I ate enough because I had 1200 calories, but I'm still hungry, you know, and, and like, that's not actually listening to my body's wisdom. And so there's this, there's this like colonialism of the self that I see applied in the way that we are um, outsourcing our, our internal wisdom and our in like the most precious relationship that we have between mind and body, we're letting mind take over. And mind is being co-opted by, you know, a yearn to be more productive and to succeed in a world that tells us that this is what success looks like. And, you know, I I think a measure of success should be, you know, I listened to my body today. And this is one of the things that we're trying to do in the the team culture at Rasa, like, you know, what, what does it look like to actually like we're a startup, we don't have an outside funding. You know, like we're we're constantly strapped for resources, and we're existing in a capitalist system that is very tricky to do. And um, like, how do we give our people who you know often feel overwhelmed? There's always too much to do. There's always you know a, a lot going on. And if we it would be nice if we could just hire three more people, but we can't afford that. Um, like how how can we bring that into a business culture and i i share this you know both as a window into like one experience and also hopefully for inspiration to people like how could you bring this into your own lives of just like if you're if you're tired that day like yeah it's okay to reschedule some things yeah take breaks like i I encourage my like take lots of breaks like if you get off three hours of calls and zoom calls and you're exhausted lie down for 15 minutes like please And um, we don't like that's not really baked into our our society and like this kind of growth at all costs mindset that we have you know in business in you know in our careers in our like yearning to you know be at the top and be an influencer and be you know whatever like all the different messages that we're getting um, I think ultimately are are encouraging us to disconnect more and more from our most innate wisdom and um i i would love to redefine success as like i took care of my nervous system and when i'm in that state i really do contribute to the world and i and i really do naturally um bring people into my care and i really do like when i am resourced the natural human state is to be incredibly caring and and like beautiful like be- we're, we're we're beautiful creatures um we're social creatures we're designed to um, really want to nourish and uplift each other um, but so often we're so depleted that we don't have that available and so you know going back to like you know some of the mo of rasa and what you know what we'd like to do like these herbs are one way that you can nourish and replenish yourself um so you have a little bit more to give to yourself and I, I think first we have to like actually really nourish ourselves so that we can then, um be coming from a really resource place in terms of our our offerings to the world
0: right and it's so interesting that you mentioned that too you know like if only we could redefine success on like a mass scale to say When you are coming from a calm, rested nervous system place that you can actually make all these decisions and, and engage in the world as a social being and, you know, all of these other things, you can create really beautiful things. But unfortunately, the combination of the capitalistic entrepreneurial culture that we live in, the domineering narrative is just hustle and you know drink all the coffee and you can sleep when you're dead and you know all that stuff and it's I mean I can only imagine what it's like to exist in like a product-based business you know as someone who exists in a service-based business working with clients but like if you were trying to sell something operating within your own values within a society that holds completely different values is extremely hard
1: yeah yeah it it's constant it's really pretty constant it's what you know I uh, was actually just freaking out a little bit to so my husband last night uh, um, on this uh, kind of e-commerce group that I'm on on Facebook, and people were asking about like, you know, what's your org chart and your revenue and blah blah. And I was looking at these these people and I was like, wow, they have way bigger businesses than ours and way fewer people. And I was like, what are we doing wrong? What is this? Like, what is that? Like, are we missing something? And our people are kind of constantly, you know, overwhelmed and there's just always too much to do and you know I chatted with my husband about it and he was like none of them are living by values and that actually takes time like that actually takes more resource and more money and you know none of them have have as complicated supply chains as you have and that we're you know so sustainable and ethical across our supply chains and we're in housing as much as we can and there's a lot of different things that we end up doing that end up costing us way much more money as a business and that's it's not really normal out there. It's it's really like the, the normalized thing is you sell the thing you know for the highest margin that you could possibly sell it for, and you know you you have as few people as you possibly can and you work them into the ground and like that's kind of the prevailing thing. You know, startup life is eighty to ninety hour weeks and you know stuff that is just really like abusive to our bodies. Um, and so yeah, I I I really would love to see more of that happening. And I also understand and have compassion for why it doesn't because it's actually hard and it takes a lot mm-hmm. of time and a lot of resource.
0: And that's why everybody has adrenal issues. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Coming back to the be <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Oh man. Okay. So No matter where people are, let's just assume that we're having some nervous system dysregulation, right? Because we're still living through a global pandemic, right? (laughs) Like, No matter what else you have going on in your life, whether it's family stuff, business stuff, work stuff, you know, relationship stuff, whatever it is, we can assume that everyone is operating at a level of high stress and definitely needing to work on like vagal toning and everything like that. What are some of your Favorite tools or takeaways that you learned from that healing period of your life that you continue to apply that you find are the most helpful when you're starting to feel more towards the burnout side of things. Mm,
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, a a big one is rest, and sometimes that can feel really inaccessible when you're in burnout and you're in that um, like sympathetic nervous system place where you're like, I can't, and everything's tight and tough and tricky and overwhelming. Um, But you know, I just had to put that first, like we have to rest and like there will come a point where your body forces you to um and sometimes it's just because your your nervous system kind of flips you into that like oh it's the weekend now i'm just gonna you know binge netflix or, or whatever you know happens to be your your mo um but that's also not the most nourishing form of rest for, for many of us you know like a lot of us you know, you know i some quite often find myself scrolling facebook at the end of the night because i'm like too tired to do something else that would actually nourish me. And when I, you know, in those moments when I can like, oh, okay, I'm gonna put the phone down and like actually just sit here and be with myself for a few minutes. Um, So rest, and even if that comes in, like I'm gonna rest for two minutes right now and set myself a timer. And then I'm gonna do that three times today. Like start there, that's okay. But like, we need to have time where we're not intaking, where we're not processing, where we're not doing, where we're not outputting. uh, an exercise that I do actually, in terms of like talking about two minute things, um, it, a really, really great, very simple um, bagel toning exercise that has helped me on so many times, um, like changed my life. Very simple thing. You clasp your hands behind your head and keeping your head facing perfectly straight. So you don't want to turn your head at all. You just keep your head straight and you turn your eyes all the way over to the right. Um you you can do this lying down or sitting up. It's a little bit easier if you're lying down, but, um, sitting up also works. And then you keep turning all the way, your eyes all the way to the right until you either sigh, swallow, or yawn, and then come back, look center for a second to kind of recalibrate and then look all the way to the left again, until you sigh, stop, swallow, or yawn. And you'll notice that there's like some ineffable thing that happens in your system. Um, that, you know, like it just really brings you down a notch. And then sometimes I'll do that two or three times. And it usually only takes like 60 to 90 seconds per, per round. Um, and that can really get me into a different state of, of being. It's a very, very simple vagal toning exercise. Um, humming is also a really good one. And any anytime that you're exhaling longer than you inhale, humming is one way to activate that, but then the humming also, um, the vibration in the throat actually tones and activates the vagal, vagus nerve. Um, <clears throat> so having a nice big in breath and then mm, and really feeling that resonate through your throat, or doing a big uh, and feeling that wash over your body. Um, all of those are great ways to just do a, like a little bit of vagal activation. Um, and sometimes I'll do that while I'm cooking dinner, and you know my kids are being loud and all that stuff. You know, I'll just be like ah, uh, and you know, my kids think I'm weird, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, so those, those are some, some great, uh, like kind of quick hacks. Um, another thing I, I find that, like incorporating these things in small ways throughout the day is a really good way for me to manage. Just my life is very full. And I imagine, you know, so many people right now are struggling with childcare and kids and work and, you know, home and how do I have a social life on Zoom and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, I you know, I know our, all of our lives are very full. So, um, you know, incorporating them in like little bite-sized ways throughout the day can be a really good way to um, do that. And one other simple practice, um, to help activate our parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system before we eat is just to take three deep breaths before we eat. Um, my family, we hold hands for, um, you know, maybe 30 seconds or a minute, maybe less. I don't know. I don't really count. Um, and we take a couple of deep breaths and we just have a moment of silence before we eat. And then that just kind of helps to have the body be like, Oh yeah, I'm about to eat. Now I'm going to take in this stuff and I have to digest it. And that takes a minute. And you can also do, um, like a humming breath or, um, but one of my coaches calls a fog breath where you just inhale. And then you, as if you're trying to fog up a mirror in front of you, you kind of while you're exhaling. Um, and that's kind of a, a low key, less weirdo way. Like if you were at a restaurant or something, you might not want to be like humming before you eat. <laughs> you, you can just pretend you're a...
0: smelling your breath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can just, instead of, you don't have to hold your hand up. You can just like take it, take a breath and just kind of quietly exhale out the mouth and make that soft highing sound and that helps to um tone the vagus nerve and activate the parasympathetic nervous system so th- those are some of my favorite go-to's and then um you know for me i, I try and have my my first sip of rasa would be like a conscious one like i close my eyes and i actively feel nourishment coming into my body um if i can do a whole cup like that great but often it's just the first sip or a couple of sips um but kind of turning your awareness towards like, I'm nourishing myself. Um, and you can do that with anything, you know, food with even doing the dishes, you know, like that's a mindset shift that can be really helpful as well. Of like, you know, you can either resent the dishes, like fuck these things, they always need to be done. Do I just need to like, I, I put food on these things and I take it off for the rest of my life, <laughs> like what's going on. <laughs> um, or you can be like, cool, this is one of the ways that I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing the dishes so that We know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to have a nice clean kitchen. Um, And like that actually, like even that mindset shift can be a really valuable um, relationship to self-nourishing.
0: Yeah. Thank you for all those tools. I'm really excited to try the, you know, the looking either ways one, because I've never even really heard of that before. Um, So I will be trying that immediately after we get off the podcast today, because why not?
1: (laughs) Awesome. Yes, do it. Let me know how it goes.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. I did not know we were going to go in all these directions today, but I absolutely love talking about the nervous system and the adrenals and everything. So thank you so, so much for going there and thank you for coming on. So if people want to find more about you and your business and everything, where should they go?
1: We are at we are Rasa.com. Um, And then also on the Instagrams at, at we are rasa, same on Facebook. Um, and you can also find us on Amazon as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Dana. really appreciate it.
0: Hey there. Thanks for listening to The Real Talk with Dana podcast with me, your host, Dana, obviously. And I just wanted to say you're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Maybe send a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why would you do that, you ask? Because this helps more people find the show so that we can spread the food and body peace word, break down diet culture, and the unrealistic beauty standards that make us all feel like we need to shrink ourselves with food and exercise in order to be worthy in the world, which sucks. For discussion on the show episodes, if you want to request a guest or ask a question, if you'd like some support, please join the non-diet community on Facebook, which is a free group where you can go get some community and support. I'll see you over there and see you next week.